What is up everybody? John Hoover, All Sooners, along with Ryan Chapman, Randall Sweet. We're in the press box because, as we all know, this part of the podcast, the All Sooners post-game podcast, is certified fresh. We don't leave until we've brought you every little bit of post-game information, and it was a lot today. 69-45, the Sooners hung on, shall we say. Uh, joking, I'm just joking. They, uh, they jumped out to a fast start. Almost gave it all up, had a little moment there in the third quarter, uh, but uh, poured the gas on the fire at the end. 69-45, Sooners rolled. Now we turn our attention to uh, what's going on in Austin. The Texas Longhorns are uh, putting it to Texas Tech, so uh, we don't know if Oklahoma's going to the Big 12 championship game or not. We, we talked about coming in, uh, really unlikely that double-digit dogs Texas Tech or BYU would upset Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State and BYU obviously are on Saturday. Uh, last weekend was probably the weekend after OSU's star and Texas played a much better Iowa State team. Or just don't turn the ball over in Lawrence or Stillwater. But uh, Brent Venables said after the game he'll probably think about that stuff later on for now. Today was about honoring Oklahoma's seniors. It was about finishing the season on the right foot. It was about doing everything Oklahoma could to give them every chance possible to play for a Big 12 title game. And while, as in Brent Venable's words, the third quarter was an abomination defensively. An he, abomination of football. He used <laughs> abysmal abomination of football. Uh, it, it, ha it had the Kansas-Puka-Williams game vibes where Oklahoma yeah. was never going to lose this game, but it looked ugly for a bit. But, guys, if the defense is going to struggle and, and fumble through the third quarter, it helps. It pays off to have Dilly Gabriel cleared out of protocols starting, to have a Drake Stoops, to have a Gavin Sotchuk. It was an offensive show today. Yeah, those guys, those three guys Ryan mentioned have put on an absolute showcase today of Offensive football thought the offensive line was really good. They limited their penalties. They didn't have turnovers. They had one turnover It was on special teams again uh, It's getting a little weird on the Oklahoma special teams unit, but uh, Gabriel had a pick as well that Oh, was, he did that's right. He underthrew. He underthrew Brennan Thompson and Brennan Thompson had no interest in it like coming back to the football He just was either. slow to recognize. Hey, that ball's well. not gonna get to me <laughs> uh, Well, you better go get it. Then. Yeah <laughs> He's young and he's inexperienced. He's, he'll figure that stuff out but Randall, uh, 520 yards by the defense today given up. Now Oklahoma had 607 total yards offense, 69-45. You can't complain too much, but this was a classic Big 12 shootout at one point. Yeah, it's like we were, uh, it's OU and TCU were honoring uh, the final Big 12 Saturday in Norman, or Big 12 game in Norman, I should say. Uh, and really that first half, Oklahoma played some solid defense. I think they only allowed 16 points in the first half uh, thanks to a missed extra point that held TCU to a field goal, I think right before the half. But, you know, like Ryan said, in the third quarter, uh, TCU kind of ran the ball at will. Uh, I think you guys mentioned it. Uh, Amani Bailey had 150 yards, averaged seven yards a pop. Uh, were able to complete some pass plays from Josh Hoover, not John Hoover, to JoJo Earl. Uh, he, he had a pretty big day, so uh, there obviously were some holes, but again, 69 points the Sooners were able to overcome that, and Billy Bowman's still adding another pick six to the resume, uh, and then again, the first half defense combined with the fourth quarter, they were able to hold tight enough. was a uh, interesting game plan that TCU basically gave them man-to-man -man coverage the entire game, or at least the first two and a half quarters. 
And Dylan Gabriel hit him for completions of 50, 53, and 59 yards. And then he pulled and ran on a fourth down for 40 yards. Dylan Gabriel was big play D today, I guess. Um, that was uh, – what you think of, uh, Ryan, what did you think of the way that uh, Jeff Levy managed, you know, that whole thing about take what the defense gives you. The defense gave him man-to-man coverage. Even when they would go with an umbrella, what looked like an umbrella, it wasn't, but it would look like an umbrella, two deep safeties. They were still in man-to-man, and Jeff Levy uh, dialed it up, and, and Dylan Gabriel and those guys torched them. Yeah, they did a really good job, who I thought, of just attacking vertically. They didn't do a lot of the side-to-side stuff, and that included not just like the, the jet sweeps that everyone's been mad about, but even some of the throws behind the line of scrimmage, stuff like that, that, that wasn't really necessary, uh, even if they weren't pulling up for 50, which they had three 50-yard completions in the first half alone. The first play offensively uh, for Oklahoma was a 50-yard connection between Gabriel and Nick Anderson. Even when they weren't doing that, Sawchuk was running north and south. Uh, Dilly Gabriel found Drake Stoops a ton over the middle of the field, downfield, and uh, it, it just felt like Oklahoma, as long as they didn't stub their toe or get themselves behind the chains, could do no wrong. And when things are that simple, I, I think it's what Oklahoma fans have been asking for all year long is just do the vertical stuff. That stuff has worked great. That stuff has been there. And against a pretty mediocre to bad TCU defense, a defensive line that offered no uh, resistance whatsoever to Oklahoma's offensive line, it gave Gabriel all the time in the world to sit back in. And there were a couple times who that he... It felt like got through his progressions twice before deciding to dump it off to Sawchuck or find it a Drake Stoops. Yeah, and they, those opportunities were there against Kansas, and they were there against Oklahoma State, not to the extent that they were today. Uh, but the deep ball was there for in both of those games, and Jeff Levy's game plan was just it was safe and conservative and weird, and the wind was blowing, and it was wet, and it was cool, and all that. Today, the conditions were pretty good. It was a little windy, a little cool, but the, the key for me was Dylan Gabriel coming out of concussion protocol, as Ryan mentioned. He got cleared on Thursday. Today's Friday. He got cleared yesterday. He found out yesterday he was playing. What a, what a performance by him. Yeah, and you know, I was thinking it while on the field in that fourth quarter, what if Dylan Gabriel hadn't played today? You know, would would Oklahoma have been able to keep up with that, yeah. that running, that rushing attack and you know, what Josh Hoover and JoJo Earl were doing? I mean, while I think we all believe in Jackson Arnold in the you know, for the future, uh, it's hard to say that in his first start he could have outdone 45 points <laughs> that TCU put up. So, uh, again, you mentioned it, great performance from Dylan Gabriel running, passing. He looked really good, uh, and I think that Oklahoma needed it today uh, with what their defense, with how their defense was playing. And, and yeah. while he did underthrow uh, Brennan Thompson once, which we've kind of talked about before, that's happened multiple times this season, uh, he hit him right in stride for a touchdown earlier in the game. So. Um, you know, the one, one mistake I don't think uh, really puts too much of a blemish on you it. You make a good point. Uh, they needed Dylan Gabriel to be 24 of 38 for 400 yards with three touchdowns and what do you have rushing? Uh, he had a 36 30, and another score on the ground. And, and the 40-yarder the on fourth and inches yep. from the 29, from the, 20, from the OU 29-yard line. Brent Venable says, go win the game. We need this fourth down pickup. Go win the game. Uh, that was an impressive play, an impressive play call, and an impressive execution by the, by Dylan. Yeah, Dylan, after the game, said the GPS probably won't be too kind on it. <laughs> he spent half the run looking behind him, worried about who was going to run him down. Uh, but, yeah, it was a good pull. It was a good read, and it's why you trust a veteran quarterback in that situation to know, hey, 
if you're in that option look, he'll make A, the right read, B, it'll be a good flip out to Sawchuck if that was required, but it wasn't obviously. Uh, and, and he just put his left foot in the ground and got up field basically, looked around, and he had nothing but green grass in front of him. And so it, it was a really, really great performance of Dylan Gabriel. And we kind of talked about this um, on our post game wrap from the field. It's on allstudios.com. On like a personal level, I've enjoyed talking to Dylan Gabriel, getting to know him over the last two years. And I would have been pretty dejected for him to not get one last chance out here on Owen Field. He's got another availability if he wants it. He was non-committal about anything in, uh, as far as what his future holds in the post game. But all year long, it's felt like he's talked about this year. If it's going to be his last year here uh, at Oklahoma, the way he talked about Oklahoma, Oklahoma needed him. He needed Oklahoma. It, it didn't feel like a guy that was talking about a place that he's coming back to next year. I'm happy for him that he got to get all his family in and have one last ride alongside the guy he named his best friend, Drake Stoops, who uh, those two guys put in a performance to remember for their last showing on Owen Field. Yeah, let's talk about Drake. Uh, another career high, tied his career high with 12 catches, 125 yards. Had the one touchdown right after tiptoe pick a, uh, picking up a first down, first and goal. On the sideline, he gets the ball on the other side of the field, reaches across, scores the touchdown. Oklahoma's receivers have been the best position group on the field all year, and they were that again today. Um, Brennan Thompson comes out of mothballs, basically, again, catches a 53-yard 53, 53 touchdown. wonder what his season average is per catch. Like, seriously, it's like 40 yards. I don't know. We'll, we'll look it up. Uh, Jaden Gibson had a 59-yard touchdown on which he caught it at like the 10-yard line and dragged a dude 10 yards into the end zone, was holding onto his jersey, and while he was running, while he was crossing the goal line, was signifying to the fans, and he said to his teammates, we're going to score, I'm going to score, we're going to pull away, this is going to be awesome. Uh, a little cocky, but you got to love it. Nothing wrong with that. And then Nick Anderson had a 50-yarder. Uh, so, I mean, again, the, the you know you look at Jalil Farouk, who was coming – we never really got a clarification. You have a bruised ribs, you have a sore neck, did he have a concussion? We don't know, but he caught one pass for seven yards, had a chance to be in the big play group, uh, made a diving catch attempt at one of Dylan's deep well, balls. he fell down. He <laughs> I, fell at the end. It was yes. a poor attempt if he was attempting a diving catch. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it was thrown a little too far in front of him, he, but yeah, he did but try. He barely moved forward <laughs> to dive and it hit him in the hands. So. If he actually dove for it, he might have caught. Austin Stogner had two catches. I think that puts him at 41 for the season. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's closer you to know, four you know. than 41. Yeah, so. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the, the wide receiver group was spectacular today. You know, you mentioned the Jaden Gibson touchdown catch, the one where he's dragging a defender into the – oh, I guess his only touchdown catch. He's dragging a defender into the end zone. I think the, the play directly before that he caught, um, I think – what. I don't know exactly, I'd have to go back and watch on film, but what looked like some sort of dig or comeback route, um, the play before that for a first down. Yeah, 19-yarder. Uh, yeah, and then and Jeff Levy said after the game, I told him to stop wearing long sleeves, it's not that cold outside, uh, which Jaden Gibson's from Florida, so I'm sure to him it was that cold outside, but you mentioned it. I mean, it seems like there's so many big play threats in the receiver room. I mean, Jaden Gibson's done it the last three weeks in a row. Nick Anderson, we've known as a big play threat all season. Now, Brennan Thompson gets in the action again today. Whenever he comes in, like you said, it's always a, a uh -huh. deep ball downfield. Uh, and then, so, I mean, between those guys, you mentioned Jalil Farouk didn't even get going. Those guys can really make big plays. Then you've got Drake Stoops, who, again, is doing all the little things, everything in between the intermediate routes. He's catching balls on the sideline. He's dragging. Uh, 
his toes to stay in bounds. Then you know later on the drive, again breaking tackles to get into the end zone. He caught some some nice uh, comeback routes himself and was able to get upfield. A good game all around from those guys. I think, like you said, they've been really the strength of the offense. And now in the back half of the season, when we've seen OU's offense really pick up the pace, I think it's been because not only have those guys been performing well, they found the rushing attack with Gavin Sawchuk. Yeah, that's what, Walker. that's what we talk about next with Gavin Sawchuk. I mean, 130 yards rushing, three touchdowns. He looks so much more comfortable than he did the first half of the season. He looks like a different player. Yeah, it's a couple of things. First off, you can tell He's finally healthy, back up to speed, in football shape. And, and by football shape, I mean, these guys are in great shape. I mean, like, hey, if someone bumps into you, you're able to keep your center gravity and run through it because you've been bouncing off guys and, and practice, all that stuff. But he also, it feels like he's found this rhythm of, here's when I need to go into fifth gear, and here's where I need to have a little bit more patience, let things set up, and then you can bust through the hole and really make something happen. And it's a guy, too, that he didn't get to get into a rhythm early. He only had one touch in the entire first quarter. So kind of crazy to think he finished with 22 and went over 100 yards. Uh, but he basically said after the game, yeah, he was watching all the receivers catch touchdowns. He was, like, was kind of weird to not get the ball, but he was also like, I'm not complaining. I'm happy for them. He knew his time was going to come. And, and the offensive line, uh, like you mentioned earlier, who had its way, whether it was in pass protection, whether it was in the run game, and opened up some big holes for Gavin Sawchuk to run through. And, and he had a ton of success. As, as, it was his, what, four straight games over 100 yards. He's in an incredible rhythm right now for Oklahoma. I'm sure he's kind of bummed that it's likely probably – uh, depending on what happens in Stillwater tomorrow, a, a bowl game away to, to a couple weeks away before he gets to get on the field again. Yeah. Um, Tommy Walker, also 29 yards rushing and a touchdown. I thought he was solid. Uh, but I think for the most part, you saw Javante Barnes come in and clean up time, mop up time. Uh, I think for the most part, game 12, y'all, game 12, I think Oklahoma has figured out its running back rotation. <laughs> Finally. There's no more games. <laughs> And, and I mean, I, it's. I think they're a good mix because Tawi Walker is really good at getting the hard yards. You know, kind of pounding through. Yeah. We saw him do that today. And I mean, when it's third and short, a lot of times that's the back that Oklahoma puts in the game. Uh, and you know, Tawi Walker afterwards was signing autographs, taking pictures with fans. Seemed like he had he had a really good time. Uh, I think Mike Howe put in the game notes that he's uh, had his seventh career rushing touchdown, seventh of the season. Which uh, you know, for a walk-on running back, seven touchdowns uh, is pretty Not good. Bad. Yeah, it's pretty good. All right, you guys want to talk about the elephant in the room? 69 on one side, 45 on the other. I mentioned it, 520 yards, 200, uh, 176 rushing, 344 passing. TCU kind of did what they wanted offensively. Um, I, I said after the game, when you see a guy by the name of Hoover throwing the football 58 times, that's probably what you want. Uh, but in this case, he... 344 yards, ran for a touchdown, threw for a tu uh, four touchdowns. Mr. Hoover got it done today. Yeah, mostly in the third quarter, though. I actually thought Oklahoma's defense played okay in the first half. They had a lot of great moments. On they they yeah, came out, they forced great. the initial punt. Uh, they, the only, like, then Gavin Freeman just special teams was awful again. Forced another punt. Forced two straight punts. Right? Yeah, and they forced two straight punts. Yeah, the special teams was awful again. Gavin Freeman muffs a punt. He, he can't return the punts next year. Figure something else out. Yep. Um, anyway, that, that sets up the short field for TCU to go 19 yards and score. Then really, other than that, Oklahoma gives up the one big drive. 75 the second touchdown. touchdown. 
And then the offense puts up 28 points for Oklahoma in the second quarter, and it's just the, the game's yeah, over. game's over. It's just the field goal drive at the end of the half. You can kind of understand maybe if mentally they were locked out. But then they came out in the third quarter, bad angles, no tackling. TCU then was able to, to get things going on the ground, which meant that they were able to attack through the air. And that is that stretch of football that Brett Venables labeled as abysmal abomination to football. Uh, and it just shows you at one bad quarter, this defense isn't good enough to have one bad quarter and not flip into a, a pretty poor day overall. Uh, because I, th there were moments where it's like TCU could have cut it under two scores. They got a stop and a score. They extended it back out. Billy Bowen finishes the game with the um, pick six, his third pick six of the year. But I, I think you just kind of saw Oklahoma's defensive line. It, it kind of hit its ceiling, I think, about UCF week. Teams figured out how to attack it. Uh, Oklahoma's linebackers are still really young outside of Danny Stutzman. Not having a, a solid corner across somebody watched you means you got a ton of bodies in there. And, and Brent Vittable said, like, a couple of those runs, the safety, he's like, it, it, the run was fit properly. You, he can't go out there and make the tackle for the safety. At some it's, point, those, like... I can't crap another safety. You, yeah. It's your job to go out and make that tackle. That's harsh. And, you know, another thing. Oh, I think OU finished with one sack today. There's yeah. a ton, I feel like we see this every week where they Pearson, don't finish right? sacks. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Pearson, the strip sack. Mm -hmm. But every week they're close and they just can't finish uh, when they get close to the quarterback. I'll give you a couple of numbers in the third quarter. Uh, TCU outscored OU 22 to 10. Total yards 228 to 151. Rushing, uh, uh, average rushing, I should say. 14.9 yards per carry by TCU in the third quarter. OU, 7.3, not bad, but half is good. What? 104 rushing yards to 73, uh, passing yards 124 to 78. It's just, it makes no sense. Um, and, I, you know, Brent, Brent Venables got asked, so, you know, kind of what happened there in the third quarter? He goes, I don't know. I don't know. And then went into a lot of what Ryan just explained. So it's a bit of a mystery. I don't think Danny Stutzman was sick this week. Uh, he certainly wasn't missing. You know, he was back in the lineup and healthy. It's just, I don't, I don't know. I don't get it. Um, a lot of it was happening, and, you know, I was uh, in the middle of updating the blog, the live blog or whatever it was, and I'd look up, and there goes, and it was like, it was like the BYU game all over again. Dude, there goes another BYU runner. There goes another TCU runner down the field. It, it just feels like right now, and I think Armesa Thomas and, and P.J. Adivore could be those guys eventually. They don't have any erasers right now along the defensive line. Like they don't have, when you look at Brent Venable's best Clemson defenses, the interior of that line meant you didn't have to have every run fit perfect because they're just going to blow some stuff up. Even if like right now it feels like, hey, the defensive line's doing what they need to do. It's the fits behind them. Well, an elite defensive line does what they need to do and some, disrupts, gets the knockback, stuff like that. And it feels like since the Texas game, you haven't seen, like, like Jacob Lace and Isaiah Cohen in the Texas game were knocking guys back and then suddenly uh, the whole run is screwed up because the offensive line's getting moved and stuff. And it just feels like the defensive line, while not getting blown off the football, is not moving backwards. And that's leaving your linebackers or your safeties have to be perfect. They can't miss a tackle. It has to get all, uh, you know, fit it up correctly and, and that's where I think you're seeing just a, a little bit of the cracks there and that's part of why look this this defense where it's gonna finish it's gonna pass like half of college football from where it finished last year in total defense but I think that's why Brent Venables at no point has really 
labeled it as a dominant defense, a dominant performance. We're far from that, all that, because I think he knows there's still a long way for this defense to go. That's going to start, frankly, on signing day by getting a bunch of the big-time defensive linemen, uh, and they're going to have to start that development process. Yep. Uh, and I, I don't know what the final numbers were, but it felt like from watching on the field that OU was really bad on third and fourth down again today. Uh, I mean, I remember uh, there's. It felt like there was a ton of times that OU had the chance to get off the field and they just couldn't capitalize on that opportunity. Third down, seven of sixteen. Fourth down, one of three. Seven of sixteen is not good for for your third down. Um, I'll give you a quick uh, rundown of the quarters cumulatives. I thought I was already on that. Was I not on that page? There, there we go. Total of half. Third down, they were. Whoops. <laughs> Page just chained. They were two of three on third down in the third quarter. I saw it earlier. Uh, one of the one of the numbers I wanted to go over with you guys was that TCU got within two touchdowns. They're blowing them, blowing their doors off, and then twice in the third quarter they get within two touchdowns. Uh, 50, um, 52 38. The first one was forty five thirty one. They're within two touchdowns. They go for the two point conversion. They get it. It's like oh boy, are we getting ready to have a shootout here? And uh, Oklahoma gets the next possession. They get a, a stop on fourth down, basically a four and out. And then the next possession, they get an interception. So the defense made, after that uh, abysmal abomination of a third quarter, uh, the defense made plays. Yeah, they did. I mean, you know, they were, again, uh, Reggie Pearson had the strip sack where he's, you know, coming on the blitz and he knocks the ball out of Hoover's hands. Uh, again, Lineman recovers that one where last week OU was able to land on that. And, and again, I think we kind of said similar um, things last week when OU gave up all those yards to BYU on the ground, but they came through when they needed it. Billy Bowman, again, picked six last week. Danny Stutzman, the strip sack. And um, this week they didn't need those plays as much, um, and there weren't as many of those big moments. But again, they, like you said, they had great uh, stretches. The first half they looked really good. The fourth quarter wasn't terrible. Um, it was really just coming out of halftime, that middle eight that Brent Venables talks about. I mean, they, they hit the field goal right before the half, and I think they scored 15 right out of halftime, uh, TCU did. So uh, that OU didn't especially defensively dominate that middle eight like uh, Brent Venables wants, and I think that in the third quarter is where TCU picked up a lot of that momentum. I hope you all caught my attempt at levity in the, in the Dylan Gabriel press conference when I asked him what it's like having an offensive weapon like Billy Bowman. Dude scored his third touchdown of the year on a pick six. Second in a row. Yeah, not bad. Leads the country in uh, interception return yardage. Half of those picks, like you said, six picks, three of them housing. Uh, he has just really come on, and, and he's played really well, really since the Texas game. It's, um, wrote the story this week on All Sooners about Billy Bowen and, and his growth. And he's a guy, when you start to get into some off-season conversations that we'll, we'll probably get to on Wednesday, Billy Bowman, Danny Stutzman, those two guys, yep. top of the list of if Brent Venables could recruit those guys to come back and go through a year in the SEC, uh, I think David Stone's going to be an excellent player, stuff like that. That might be the two biggest recruiting wins of, of this year if Brent Venables and this defensive staff can get Billy Bowman, Danny Stutzman, and maybe throw DeJon Terry in there just to have a huge, massive body. You get that, that's like the spine of your defense going into the SEC that I think they'd really like to build around. Billy uh, finished with nine tackles, led the team with nine tackles. Um, last week we did uh, the offensive All-American team, Football Writers Association. The week before they picked the defensive team. 
Billy Bowman got no nominations, no mon no mentions, no run whatsoever. I'd like to get with the, maybe email all the committee members and say, hey, can we redo the vote on Billy Bowman? Because dude is playing at an absolute all-American level. Yeah, I mean, I think it was mentioned, I think Brent Venables said it, that he makes a lot of those tackles on the back end. Yeah. And again, you saw that today where... Saved a touchdown. Yeah, saved, yeah, exactly. That's what Peyton I was, Bowen saved a touchdown too. Yep, and and so, you know, you mentioned that Peyton Bowen, that's a guy that you're excited about going forward if, if you don't have Billy Bowman next year. But, I mean, if you can imagine those two playing next to each other, especially with Key Lawrence, Reggie Pearson, those guys probably moving on, um, you know, having Billy Bowman back would be huge again made tons of tackles on the back end today when the defensive line, the linebackers weren't getting their fits right. A uh, few touchdown saving tackles, which again, that feels like kind of the theme. He's the he's the cleanup guy where if the ball gets to that third level, he, he's going to stop it. And again, we've even seen that on kick returns this year. I think maybe West Virginia, there was um, one of their returnmen was about to break it outside and Billy Bowman was able to track him down and, and stop him from, from housing it. So he's, he's been a real, um, a real I mean, huge for the Sooners on the back end of their defense. I predicted uh, when they signed him a couple of years back that he would score five defensive touchdowns or kickoff return, punt return touchdowns. He hasn't touched the ball on kickoff return, punt return, as far as I can remember. But dude's up to three touchdowns. I got that part right. You'd think I'd know a little bit about this team. I didn't. I didn't pick OU to cover it again today. Again. I've missed, like, the last five games in a row when it against the spread. So not something I want to brag about. But uh, – Someone else who played, uh, I thought, played really well on defense today, who uh, has been playing pretty well on defense, playing at an extremely high level, Kendall Dolby. He had eight tackles. He had a team high, uh, tied for the team high with five solo tackles. He had a tackle for loss. He had a pass broken up. He had a quarterback hurry. He was all over the place. Yeah, Mr. Cheetah. He got moved to the Cheetah later in the year, right, when Oklahoma needed some answers after Harrington went down. And it's felt like there have been times where you can tell he's a sure tackler. He's got those ball hawk instincts. It's just if, if he ends up in the right spot. I thought today was maybe just watching it live, go back, maybe look back, I'll, I'll think something different. But live, it felt like this was maybe his cleanest game as far as being in the right spot, being able to make some competitive plays. But he's just so much of a sure tackler that he was not a guy taking bad angles and, and missing tackles. There were a couple of times that he came up and realized, hey, I'm just going to have to hold on to the ankle for dear life and let somebody else come in and finish that thing off. Uh, I just thought it was a really, really strong performance from Kendall Dolby, and I think he'll be a big beneficiary of some of those bowl practices. Yep. I just would have been really interested if, if Harrington could have stayed healthy, mm -hmm. what maybe Kendall Dolby might have been able to do across from Woody Washington as Shinshire Williams has, has dealt with that shoulder injury. I, I just wonder what that might have been able to look like because uh, that's where they started him, and then obviously they kind of shift him around a little bit. My guess is they would have told Gentry we're going to fix your shoulder and you're out for the rest of the year. And it would have been Kendall Dolby at that cornerback spot. I think that's a safe assumption. But, I mean, Dolby today, like you mentioned, in the right places, there's a few plays where he's locked up perfectly with the wide receiver and just able to bat the ball away when it comes. Got a great highlight of that. Check it out on allsooners.com. But yeah, I think that, you know, he's a guy that a few um, – few months back we kind of picked on um, but you know aside from some of those rough games he, he's especially recently come on really strong having him back next season will be will be big for the student hey, defense anybody else you guys want to get to on defense right you mentioned Reggie Pearson sack that was a legit yeah. hammer down strip yeah. sack that's how it's done mm -hmm. put that thing on video and show it on a loop to the rest of the team including the D lineman uh, was it Dolby who had 
uh, a sack as well. No, it was uh, Kip Lewis uh, today had a sack, had the quarterback banged right into his face, and, and he just slid through and threw the ball away. Um, anybody else jump out on you defensively? You mentioned Reggie Pearson. He's known as a hard hitter. Yeah, I mean, again, lived fearless. up to it today. Yeah, he is fearless. Uh, I thought that... Um, R. Mason well, Thomas had a tackle and a half for loss. And he also had, he batted a pass away too. Yep. I thought that Rondell Bothroyd had some really good moments, especially in the first half. Mm -hmm. Chase yeah. a couple of guys down out of bounds, yep. stuff like that. Yeah, he. I think in run defense, he's been pretty solid all season. Do we need to go into special teams? We've kind of hit on them a little bit. They're bad. Zach Schmidt had a field goal today. Yeah, Schmidt hit a 23-yard field goal. And and he hit a 41-yarder right later in the game. He hit an extra point that had to move back five yards for a false start. So you got to take hey, them where hey, you can get them. Hey, if you're, if big, you're the special teams unit. Big time day for Zach Schmidt. Hopefully, for Oklahoma fans, I, it's the last time he kicks on this field. <laughs> Why? He's awful. I was just. I, Why? I, I was just. They, they need a portal kicker. All I was gonna say was that uh, you know we always say he can't make clutch field goals, which has again proven true. But there was one important. I won't say clutch, but important field goal that he had to make today. The I think it was forty-one yards. Forty-one yards. Yeah. And, and he hit it. So shout out to Zach Schmidt for for that. Wait, did he just hit the forty-one yarder? He hit two, didn't he? He hit the twenty-three yarder and the forty yarder. So he hit and, two. And we've seen him shake twenty-three yarders right in front of the uh, off the right. right hash. Too. It was like that same spot as the uh, BYU kick last week. So, uh, really positive improvement there. Uh, Got to find a new punt returner. I would nominate Billy Bowman next year. Uh, yeah, other or, Payton, or Peyton, Peyton Bowen. Bowen. Yeah, yeah spectacular. E at either it. either one. Petaway could do it next year. Um, yeah, they need someone that knows how to catch the football. Tied a school record with three 50-yard passing completions. Today was Oklahoma's 700th all-time victory in the modern era of college football since the end of World War II. I said all-time. I meant since the end of World War II. <laughs> that is the most of any program in the country. So maybe not going to the Big 12 championship. Texas is up 23-7 at halftime. Uh, last I looked, there was two seconds left, so I'm just assuming. Uh, yeah, yeah, Texas is rolling. Texas, Texas Tech. is rolling. Texas Tech. That's Tech. We expect Oklahoma State to do the same to BYU tomorrow. Texas so, does not want to win. Yeah. But, hey, 700 since the World War II. <laughs> hey, that's 33 more than Alabama. That's right. They're ahead, Over of, that everybody. Time. ahead of Michigan, ahead of Notre Dame, everybody. Texas. And they didn't even have to steal signs. <laughs> Allegedly. 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 Uh, yeah, this was a classic Big 12 game. Uh, <laughs> most, most in the history of the series. 114 uh, points is yeah. the most in the history of the series. Most in an OU game in any OU game since. Black Friday in 2018. 2018. Kyler Murray at West Virginia. I was a freshman in college. Anyway, we got tons of notes, including that one. <laughs> uh, tons of stats, tons of quotes, tons of interviews up at allsooners.com. You guys, oh, highlight video. His highlights were on. <clears throat> Chef's kiss today. I appreciate it. Yeah, anything else? Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of stuff to get into from the post game. Uh, we'll probably do on Wednesday, reflecting back at Dylan Gabriel, Drake Stoops, what those guys mean to Oklahoma, stuff like that. But the pertinent stuff, there are reports out of Starkville uh, of this morning. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, more smoke that Jeff Levy is not just on a short list, but in serious contention for the Mississippi State job. Uh, a lot of other guys that I think that they'll probably want to talk to probably playing across conference championship weekend. It sounds like Willie Fritz is, is another name that Mississippi State would be very, very interested in uh, looking at. And so uh, we kind of got to uh, talk to Brent Venables a little bit about 
um, what his message is when he's got assistance. This is the first time, right? Last year, uh, Kale Gundy was dismissed right before the season started. The only other staff change to the on-field guys was hiring Emmett Jones as opposed to promoting Leonard Washington from the interim role to a permanent role. Otherwise, staff totally back. So first time, there's been some real interest. Got to ask Brett Minimals about that, ask Jeff Levy about that, ask Hilly Gabriel, ask Jaden Gibson about that. Uh, the, the message coming out of postgame was there's a time for everything. <laughs> And right now, the time is to lock in on today, finishing off the season with a win, and then waiting around and seeing if everyone will report on Monday to prepare for a Big 12 championship game. You're not supposed to stop talking while I'm drinking the cup. Sorry. Poor timing. Stretch it out, stretch Very it out. poor timing. Uh, we just do pregnant pauses on the morning show. We just don't worry about it. <laughs> don't it's just, just 10 second pauses, and everyone looks at the radio and goes, What? So. Uh, Everybody in Sooner Nation wants Jeff Levy fired, right? And here he has the number two, three, four offense in the country. Points, yards, passing, efficiency, all that good stuff. And he's getting ready to get a head coaching job. So you're going to get your wish. He's going to be gone, but, yeah, think about it. Fire that son of a gun. He had a couple of bad series, shall we say, here and there. I mean, in, like, massive – Kansas. He had an entire bad half in Kansas. He had a bad half of the games last year. He was very bad in actual like clutch situations outside of Texas. True, 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 true. Texas was the aberration. Oklahoma's offense was not under any real pressure today. Like they always felt like they had a two possession lead. So I don't want to revision his history of the thing. Right. He runs a lot of plays, so his offenses rank really high in total offense. They're not in like the top five in efficiency. Well, it might be after today, but like last year's offense was not a super efficient offense. Uh, he's a good offensive coordinator. I wouldn't say he's a great or elite offensive coordinator at this point. He, he can, seems to be a good quarterback coach. He can grow, but, like, again, when it's mattered, it's not just been bad, it's been awful. Okay. He, he also seems to be a good uh, coordinator, a game planner. But in terms of calling plays, it, he's, he's shown some limitations. Uh, and we all know what those are. Clutch moments, uh, third and third and short, you know, stuff like that. It gets a little conservative. Uh, leans too much on one one player or another. Uh, the, the jet sweeps are, are trash, you know, especially when they're not working. Uh, and, and people want to throw the baby out with the bathwater when it comes to Jeff Levy. I do think it's important to note, though, when you're talking about Jeff Levy, he's a really good recruiter, and he's been able to get yeah. Kevin Sperry. I mean, Kevin Sperry moved from Dallas to Oklahoma City to be closer to Jeff Levy. I mean, he he got Michael Hawkins. He got two quarterbacks in the 2024 class, and that's not to mention you know all the other tremendous skill position Jackson players. Jackson Arnold. Yeah, Jackson Arnold, and, and again other. You'd hate to see off uh, Jackson Arnold go to Mississippi State next year. If he goes to Mississippi State, first off, you can call Dylan Gabriel again, and secondly, Jackson Arnold <laughs> will never amount to anything if that's his like competitive fire to go to Mississippi to State. To go to Mississippi State and play against the Sooners, come on. To go to Mississippi State and just get trucked in the end, no, no, you're not going to win ish at Mississippi State. Regardless, Jeff Lebby is a very good recruiter, yep. especially when it comes to quarterbacks. Um, I, I may, it might not be the you know number one five-star guys that you know Oklahoma fans were used to with Lincoln Riley, but I promise Kevin Sperry is really good. He fits Jeff Levy's yeah. offense. Michael Hawkins is really good. They're still playing in the Texas State uh-huh. playoffs right now. Uh, he fits Jeff Levy's offense too. And so again, and you mentioned it, Jackson Arnold. I mean, that's the the cream of the crop there. So that's not not necessarily you know as as clear cut as it seems. We might as well finish on a high note. Brent Venables took a header <laughs> running out of the tunnel in, the, in the, all the smoke and the fog and the fumes and the steam. 
he went down and then you check out on Twitter go to Twitter or I retweeted it find me at Johnny Hoover TJ Eckert put it on Twitter and he he was zoomed in and you could see Brent start to run out and then he goes down and then there was a massive pile of, it was like a uh, it was like uh, what's that highway in Florida like I-95 yeah. I-95 in Florida, there's a wreck. Any, any of them. And the wreck goes on for like 15 miles. This is what was happening. They're trying to run out, and there's all this. The the uh, I've been down there, you guys. Uh, when I did that Brian Orr story, the, the highway patrolman, I was down there when they blow all that smoke out, and it is hard to see. It is wow. thick. And Brent Venables went down, and he couldn't get up. He said... Now I know what people feel like when they're being trampled to death. It, it was, was scary. He went, said my face was being pushed down into the turf. He went down in the worst possible spot too because right in the he, he went down right in the middle of all the smoke, like like right where the smoke yes. fires down on. So it wasn't even like a is that a leg sticking out? Like it's he's just squarely on all of it. It was it was blind running. It was a disaster. You said after the game, there were twenty players who went down. You can yeah, see. Yeah, yeah. Like not not only that, he took down a bunch of the players on top of him. So he yeah. said he felt like five thousand pounds on it. <laughs> it reminded me of the sure Texas A&M pileup. Uh, now the Texas A&M pileup happened without smoke. Uh, another iconic college football. Uh, that's a screenshot, <laughs> not really a video. But yeah, I mean, it, was, it wasn't good. He said after the game, he's like, I was pissed. You could tell as he went to the sideline, he was like, you know when he like steals his jaw and he's clearly upset about something? He's like, I wasn't mad, he wasn't mad at anybody just at the situation. And he did say, he's like, now of course if we lose, that's going to be everywhere, so it can't be out there. Uh, Prince a funny guy. He got trampled. And I hated to be the one to ask the question. It was at the, it was after the press conference because Mike Hawk told us, okay, two more questions. I didn't get in. Brent says, okay, thanks. Uh, appreciate it, guys. Happy Thanksgiving. And I'm like, wait, you got trampled. <laughs> Again, I hated to be the guy to ask, ask that question, but at the same time, somebody had to ask that question. If uh, the next time we talk to players, if we get Isaiah Coe, we'll have to remember and ask <laughs> him about it because he was the first one. Yep. He actually had the phone on a selfie stick recording, and then, <laughs> and then he, I saw him clip Brent Venables, kind of look down, and then continue to run. So we'll definitely need to ask him his perspective on the whole situation. Oh he's got to release the video, right? Like He's yeah, got the selfie stick video. Release the tape. Post the tape. Release the tape. Release it. I'm gonna I actually we need to tweet Isaiah Co right now. Do that right. Do it right now. Um, I guess let's wrap this thing up. That was fun. Fun. Uh, fun podcast. Fun game. Fun season. Uh, I've said this before and I mean it. Uh, I'm thankful to all you guys, the viewers, the listeners, the readers, the followers, the subscribers, everybody who clicks on our website, everybody who gets us on social media. Uh, I just can't tell you how much I appreciate it. It means a heck of a lot, especially this time of year. We we think back. You know, on Thanksgiving and stuff like that, and it's uh, it just means a lot. So I'm very grateful to all of you all for uh, for everything, and I'm grateful to these two guys for sticking with me all season long. I'm demanding. Uh, we work long hours. It is what almost nine o'clock, and we've been here for. I've been here since eight. Yeah, I've been here. I think I left the house at six this morning, so Central Time, <laughs> right? So, uh, no, we just, uh, we really appreciate it uh, from the very bottom of our hearts. Um, you guys have anything you want to add? Shout out to the first regular season with the all, new All Sooners team. That's right. Yeah, you've done a great job. Appreciate that. Down there on the field, you have, uh, your life has changed significantly. Significantly. A, a year ago, I was working uh, in marketing, and now, now here I am. <laughs> Boring. <laughs> <laughs> no, just kidding. Just kidding. Uh, we're getting, I'm getting a tweet from someone the founder of longhorn nation looks like that said 
Texas Stadium is only showing scores of games from the SEC on their Jumbotron <laughs> with Brett Gormark in the house. To which OU fans today broke out into several SEC, SEC chants. Thought that was fairly appropriate. It was, uh, and it was again at the referees after two calls that they didn't agree with. So, um, I know that that was a big talk, but we talked about this before, is would Oklahoma be the Texas A&M that just started a huge SEC chant before their final Big 12 game? Yep. They came only sarcastically at the refs, which I think is kind of how Oklahoma wants it. Yep. It was an interesting day. Which, by the way, just a, a dash of perspective on refereeing. Um, so I was listening to the Egg Bowl last night, and I was in the car after just the terrible OPI that they called on Mississippi State that wiped away. Uh, basically, it backed it up, and then they missed a 50-yard field goal that would have cut it to 17-10. And the Mississippi State play-by-play, -play, uh, the color guy, sorry, was like, and that's just life in the Southeastern Conference. We've got the best players, the best coaches, the best fans, wow. the best stadium, the best commissioner, the best TV contract, but we have the worst referees, wow. and no other power conference deals with this kind of stuff. And I wanted to be like, no, that's not true. Brother, have you, nev have you never watched a Pac-12 or Big 12? Like the Pac-12 and Big 12 hate the referee. Legendary officiating in the Big 12 and the Pac-12. We need to introduce that man to Gordon Reese. Yes, that's a, that's a good one to start with. Yeah, <laughs> is he still uh, hanging around? Is I he, believe so. Is he fully retired yet? Yes, he's fully retired. Okay, he's like living in a shack on the coast or something. I am sorry to any Oklahoma fan who may have gotten a dose of PTSD yep. when we evoke the name of old Gordon Reese. Sixty-nine forty-five, and he brings up Gordon Reese. <laughs> old Evans Dybar. That's right. All right, fellas, we're going to wrap it up. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week on Wednesday, I believe, with the All Sooners podcast. We'll see if we have a post-season, uh, I'm sorry, a post-game podcast from Arlington next week. If we do, they're probably going to kick us out of there before we can get it done. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll find a late-night Starbucks or something. Uh, anyway, you can find all those podcasts and more at uh, Google, Spotify, Apple, Podbean, iHeart, anywhere you get your podcasts. If you have an Amazon-enabled device, just say, Alexa, play the All Sooners podcast. Post it on our website, allsooners.com. I forgot to do that last week, so my apologies if that's where you get your post-game podcasts. The BYU thing threw me way the hell off. Uh, it's a long trip. Anyway, we were scaling fences. What we do you want us to do? Scaling fences. It's a true story. I took an Uber to the airport at 2.30 a.m. It was, a, it was quite, <laughs> quite the night. Didn't wake me up, though. That's how I pass out. Yeah, there we go. Good. It was good work by Randall. If you get on the website, you can listen on your phone, your tablet, or your computer. That's allsooners.com. Check that out. Uh, on all, my, all our shows are posted on my YouTube channel, John Hoover Media. For Ryan, for Randall, I'm John Hoover. See you guys.